Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Growing up, I was an entrepreneur at heart. (laughs) I was that kid. I was the kid that went door to door and would show up on your doorstep and want to sell something to you. (laughs) I would paint rocks or I would paint a little picture on some paper and I would set up a little stand at the end of my driveway. Um, my, My parents even bought me a whole box of seeds, uh, both uh, flower seeds and vegetable seeds. And I would go up and down my road and I would go door to door trying to sell these seeds. I probably did that at least three years in a row <laughs> selling these seeds. And one of the things that I discovered was that I could sell bubble gum at school. <laughs> I had a little neighborhood market at the end of the street, and that was where we would catch the bus and on the times that we would catch the bus, and we would drive past it, uh, you know, on our bikes uh, if we weren't catching the bus, and we would stop at this little neighborhood market, and we would buy bubble gum, and we would take it to school, and we would sell it. And in, in middle school, so this would have been uh, seventh and eighth grade, uh, I, I would literally sell a whole box. I would buy a box a day and would literally sell an entire box of, of, uh, bubble gum, one, uh, package at a time and, and make a, quite a bit, a little bit of money <laughs> in doing so. Well, that lasted, um, not real long because the administration found out about, these kids, uh, you know, selling bubble gum and, and boy, we, we have to put a stop to that. (laughs) So, so my friends and I, uh, we, we weren't able to do that, but one of my friends that, um, that did this along with me, her name was Didi and Didi would buy hubba bubba bubble gum and, and she was selling it until she was told that she couldn't. And then at that point, we thought, well, our hubba bubba sales are over, but she continued to buy boxes of bubble gum. And instead of selling these boxes uh, and selling the bubble gum, she would give it away. She wouldn't sell it at all. She was giving these packs away to all kinds of people in school. Well, the administration found out about this and thought that she was continuing to sell. And so, so they brought myself and her brother and some of their friends in and herself. And, and we had to sit in front of the principal (laughs) and the principal would turn to me and, and say, well, you know, so tell me, you know, how, how she's selling this bubble gum. And I said, she's not, she's not selling the bubble gum at all. She's giving it away. And the same thing was said from her brother and others. Well, the principal didn't believe this, and <laughs> they turned to me. I can distinctly remember turning to me and saying, you are lying to me just to try to cover up for your friend. There's no one on this earth that is going to just simply give away bubblegum. <laughs> and, and yet, that's what Dee Dee was doing. She was trying to buy friends. 
And even though the principal couldn't understand that concept, um, that's exactly what was happening. Now, Dee Dee got in trouble and she got suspended <laughs> for selling bubble gum, even though she was just giving it away. But, um, but that was a lesson that I learned very early in life. Not that you can make a lot of money selling bubble gum, <laughs> but, but that you, you're not, you can't buy friends because what happened in Dee Dee's case was after she got suspended and she was no longer allowed to even give away bubble gum, she, she lost a lot of these friends that she had, you know, started to develop uh, a friendship with uh, because she was giving away hubba bubba bubble gum. <laughs> No longer were they her friends anymore because she was out of Hubba Bubba. Well, our U.S. government has not learned this lesson. They try to hand out Hubba Bubba to countries all around the world all the time in the form of foreign aid. Uh, what we do as taxpayers um, to, to, to get um, the, the influence uh, from other countries is in foreign aid. Well, what what do we get from those taxpayer um, money grants? Well, the answer is not much. In fact, there are several instances where it actually hurts us. Take take the case of Afghanistan, for instance. We have dumped so much money, billions of dollars, into the country of Afghanistan over the years and, and tried to prop up a corrupt government and help with humanitarian uh, type aid. But herein lies the problem. We have also been giving money to their Pakistani uh, neighbors as well. Where, where do you think that the Taliban have been hiding out and training for the last 20 years? <laughs> yeah, you're right, Pakistan. And Pakistan would be the correct answer to this question because we have been giving money to both Afghanistan and Pakistan, who is training and hiding out the enemy in the form of the Taliban. So we have we've been supplying the very people that we are trying that are trying to kill us in in, in Afghanistan. We. We provide support to Afghanistan and and Pakistan, and look what we have to show for it today. Afghanistan has collapsed, and the Taliban has taken over. Not only that, but we supposedly left behind billions in military equipment that are now in the hands of terrorists. This military equipment is, at this very moment, making its way over the border to Pakistan, to Iran, and to China, military equipment that if you and I owned it, <laughs> or even tried to own it, we would be thrown into prison. This very equipment is now in the hands of the very people that attacked us 20 years ago. This was on purpose, and this was no accident. President Barack Obama, in his final days as president, was caught sending pallets, literal pallets of cash to Iran. Again, this was no accident. It was on purpose and a choice these Democratic presidents and administrators have done. It has been an attempt to purchase friends and favors 
with money. So there was an article, and this actually goes back a couple years, on thought.com, thoughtco.com, and it's from uh, Steve Jones. And he says this, he says, U.S. foreign aid is an essential part of American foreign policy. The U.S. extends it to developing nations and for military or disaster assistance. The United States has used foreign aid since 1946, with the annual expenditures in the billions of dollars. It is also one of the most controversial elements of American foreign policy. Here is a little bit of background of American foreign aid. After World War II, America feared Soviet communism uh, and and the fact that it would creep in in and destabilize war-torn regions uh, after uh, Nazism had had, uh, done so earlier. To counter that, the United States immediately pumped $12 billion into Europe. Congress then passed the European Recovery Plan. So basically, we went in and we we built Europe back up again <laughs> with uh, with the European Recovery Plan, uh, which was more commonly known as the Marshall Plan, named after the Secretary of State at the time, George C. Marshall. The plan, which would distribute another $13 billion over the next five years, was the economic arm of President Harry Truman's plan to combat the spread of communism. The United States continued to use foreign aid throughout the Cold War as a way to keep nations out of the communist Soviet Union's sphere of influence. It has also regularly uh, distributed humanitarian foreign aid in the wake of disasters. Now, there's there's different types of foreign aid. The, The United States divides foreign aid into three categories, military and security assistance which uh, is about 25% of the yearly expenditures, disaster and humanitarian relief, which is about 15%, and economic development assistance. (laughs) Let me repeat that again. Economic development assistance, and that's about 60%. The United States Army Security Assistance uh, Command, which is the USASAC, manages the sales of military equipment to eligible foreign nations. According to the USASAC, SAC, it now manages 4,000 foreign military sales cases worth an estimated $69 billion. That's right, $69 billion. Those figures are just mind-blowing. The Office of Foreign Disaster Administration handles disasters and, and, and humanitarian aid cases, and uh, disbursements vary annually, of course, with the number of natural um, and, and global crises. In 2003, the United States disaster aid reached a 30-year peak with $3.83 billion in aid. The amount included relief uh, results, resulting from the America's March uh, 2003 invasion of Iraq. So, you know, we, we obviously went into Iraq. We, we wanted to... Uh, provide some humanitarian relief there, and so uh, 3.83 uh, billion in aid included that. USAID administrators uh, economic development aid uh, is is another form. It's, uh, assistance includes 
infrastructure, construction, small enterprise loans, technical assistance, and and budget support for developing nations. Uh, and I will say, even China right now is doing this kind of thing right now in Afghanistan in the wake of our vacuum that we've created there. They're going to say, hey, we'll help you out with uh, no interest loans and this type of thing, and we'll, we'll help you build more roads and whatnot, uh, help build that in- infrastructure. Uh, the top foreign aid recipients are the, the U.S. Census report, uh, reports of, of 2008 indicate the top five recipi- recipients of American foreign aid uh, that year were Afghanistan, and that was at $8.8 billion at the time. Again, these are 2008 numbers. Um, $2.8 billion were for economic, and then $6 billion for military there in, in Afghanistan. Iraq was the second one at $7.4 billion. Uh, and and over half of that was military. Uh, Israel at 2.4 billion, um, and um, most of that is is military. Egypt 1.4 billion, and Russia at 1.2 billion, uh, and and we give that in economic aid. We're literally giving 1.2 billion dollars. At least this was as of 2008. Uh, we were giving 1.2 billion dollars to Russia. Now, Israel and Egypt have usually topped the recipient list, um, America's wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, and its efforts to rebuild those areas while countering terrorism have put those countries at the top of the list as of that point. Now, critics of American foreign aid programs claim that they do little good, and I would definitely put myself in that category. <laughs> they are quite to, uh, they're quick to note that while economic aid is intended for developing countries, Egypt and Israel certainly do not fit that category. Now, obviously, Israel's a little bit of a different situation because obviously they are a tiny country in the middle of all kinds of people who hate them, and they are very much an allied, and 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 rightfully so. Uh, obviously, biblically, uh, those that support Israel, God will support, and those that don't, he comes against. So, we know that biblically, and so we are literally uh, doing uh, the Lord's work in that area. Now, uh, opponents uh, also argue that American foreign aid is not about development, but rather propping up leaders who comply with America's wishes, regardless of their leadership abilities. They charge that uh, American foreign aid, especially military aid, uh, simply props up third-rate leaders who are willing to follow America's wishes. Hosni Barbaric, uh, ousted from the Egyptian presidency in February of 2011, is an example. He followed through um, on his predecessor, uh, Anwar Sadat, um, his, his normalization of relations with Israel, but he did little good, really, for Egypt. Uh, recipients of foreign military aid have also turned against the United States in the past. A great example is Osama bin Laden, who used American aid to fight the Soviets in Afghanistan in the 1980s, and then, of course, turned against us later on. Other critics maintain that American foreign aid merely ties truly developing nations to the U.S. and does not enable them to stand on their own. Rather, they argue uh, promoting uh, free enterprise within and free trade with those countries uh, would serve them better. Now, a great example of this is Afghanistan. 
Uh, we have given them a lot of money. We have given them billions of dollars. And we prop them up with that money and with our military. And then as soon, as soon as we left, obviously it collapsed because we made them dependent on us instead of trying to make them independent and using those funds to try to make sure that they could stand on their own. We made sure that they were dependent on us. And then when we pulled out, obviously everything collapsed. President Donald Trump tried foreign aid uh, to, uh, to, to countries um, that, uh, that would vote in the UN. So he tied it to how they voted in the UN and all these nations that take our money and then they vote against us at the Security Council uh, or they vote against us at the assembly. Well, he said that we're matching, no, uh, we're watching those votes. And, and uh, he, he actually even, even was quoted saying, let them vote against us and we'll have, uh, we'll, we'll be saving a lot of money. <laughs> so he said that in 2017. In 2018, uh, there was an article came out in the American Conservative and it said that it, um, it's a scene right out of the movie Groundhog's Day. Uh, I love the movie Groundhog Day. Uh, every year around this time, the administration it submits its annual request to Congress to appropriate billions of dollars for America's allies and partners in the Middle East to finance their purchase of U.S. military training and equipment. Now, Congress rubber stamps these requests with little regard to whether this assistance achieves U.S. foreign policy objectives. And it does the same when the executive branch requests congressional approval of arms sales for uh, cold hard cash, basically. Some, some, um, some might be, you know, good industrial policy. After all, it, it creates jobs in, in key congressional districts and provides corporate welfare for America, America's defense uh, companies and helps maintain the defense industry base. But it makes for lousy foreign policy. It really does. The United States will continue to pour money down a rat hole until Congress and the executive branch uh, better understand why these problems keep reoccurring and muster the political will to fix them, which is a big ask. Uh, based on our experience in the uh, State uh, Department, here is our diagnosis, is what they're saying in this article, of the problem and some remedies for what uh, ails U.S. military assistance in the Middle East. In the U.S. Foreign Policy Toolkit, uh, security assistance and arms transfers have become the instruments of choice for American diplomats and soldiers. They grant assistance and weapon sales, uh, and, and, and these are threat, basically treated as, as a Swiss army knife. All-purpose tools um, you know, appropriate for use in virtually any scenario. According to the prevailing view in the U.S. government, security assist assistance works wonders, is what they say. It builds the capabilities of partner countries, provides influence over the policies, and guarantees access to you know, influential institutions and, and personalities in, in, in capitals across the globe. If true, though, this would seem to more than justify the $48.7 billion the U.S. has spent on security assistance in the Middle East over the past decade. Now, I would say this, that just like my friend Didi thought that giving away her hubba bubba, uh, she was receiving all kinds of attention from people that 
you know, would have never really given her the time of day before. This was, in the beginning, an awesome plan. And, and you know, she was able to, to, to talk to people that she wanted to talk to and, and develop relationships with people that she wanted to develop relationships with. And so it was just a matter of how much Hubba Bubba could she afford and spread around the, you know, the, the school. Uh, and that's what these uh, diplomats uh, are, are, uh, are caught up in is they, they feel like if I can just spread this, this uh, all across the, the world, then it's going to, it fixes anything and it fixes everything. But in reality, the use, the, the U S military assistance um, promises more than it delivers. And there is scant evidence outside of a few isolated cases in the U S um, material support to, to Middle East countries has, has fulfilled any of these purposes. Re- recipients of the U.S. funding and weapons have largely failed to make majority strides in their capabilities and, in some instances, may have even ha- had some regression. Despite the $47 billion in the U.S. military assistance over 40 years, the Egyptian military has struggled mildly to contain an ISIS-affiliated num- numbering no more than 1,200 militants. The Saudis barely used their American-made advanced combat aircraft in the U.S.-led anti-ISIS operation in Syria. And $89 billion in arms sales to the kingdom over the last 10 years has not prevented uh, the the Rahad from getting bogged down in an increasingly costly quagmire in Yemen uh, with the U.S. uh, supplied weapons. The U.S. has sold hundreds of billions of dollars in military hardware to the Persian Gulf uh, countries, and yet collectively they are not capable of defending the free flow of oil from the Gulf against a militarily weaker Iran without U.S. assistance. Likewise, the, the track record of using security assistance to increase U.S. influence in the region is no more encouraging. While recipient countries are happy to utter platitudes, of course, about increasing cooperation, and they, they generally and successfully resist Washington's request to modify their policies in exchange for the assistance. Ongoing U.S. assistance to Egypt did not leave Cairo open to American pleas to... Uh, desist from forcibly uh, dispersing two large nonviolent sit-ins in the capital in which 800 people were massacred. Likewise, the U.S. attempts to explicitly link military assistance and arms sales to a recipient country's domestic uh, political behavior have not borne much fruit. For instance, the, the Obama administration's suspension of some types of military assistance to Egypt in, in 2013 did not lead to the you know credible progress toward democratic reforms, nor did putting a four billion dollar arms package uh, for Bahrain uh, on hold yield an in, improvement in the country's human rights in, uh, environment. Importantly, these failures have more to do with the lack of political will in Washington, in which the U.S. Um, you know capitulated before its its. Uh, coercive measures would have been uh, desired ha- had their desired effect than any inherent limitations on what withholding weapons shipments can accomplish. But the frequency 
with the United States, uh, which the United States folds in uh, their their standoff, suggests structural problems in the U.S. assistance mechanisms that undermine its efficiency as a tool of influence. And I would say we, we are seeing that right now in, in, in Afghanistan. I mean, obviously, we do not have the will to even get our own people out of harm's way, let alone those that helped us. People are being slaughtered in the streets, um, and, and we just choose not to do anything about it. Our own people are, are at risk, and we're choosing not to do anything about it. Um, there's just no, no will there uh, to, to, to stand behind all these billions of dollars that we've pumped into that country and the people that helped us there, and, and literally our own people as well. U.S. officials ha- have um, ex- excellent access to the Middle Eastern capitals, but it is hard to attribute this to military assistance and arms sales. The United States remains a prominent international player, and most countries do not have the luxury of ignoring Washington for long. Pentagon officials, Pentagon officials argue that the um, provision of material support in- increases their their contracts uh, with foreign militaries, creating opportunities to learn more about uh, partner armed forces. But in practice, however, recipient countries take a great precaution to limit and regulate U.S. access to their troops. So, you know, we, we don't get to, to really see uh, other countries' uh, military capabilities. We, we are um, just basically um, told, hey, talk to this guy. Uh, you know, he's not going to tell you anything, but he's, he's your, he's your go, go-between. Um, a, a second and related problem in the U.S. government uh, does, is, is that the government does a poor job of holding allies and clients to account for behavior that runs counter to American interests. Um, you know, in a nutshell, we do not um, hold people accountable when 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 we are when we give them money and then you know, say, okay, this money is for this. We don't do a very good job of making sure that's what is actually happening with that money. Uh, the U.S. Uh, currently gives foreign aid to over 100 countries worldwide, including the U.S. gave Ukraine more than one. $0.5 billion in security aid between 2014 and 2019. The U.S. appropriates more than $10 billion in aid to Colombia. Uh, Yemen has received $389 million in foreign aid from the U.S. Uh, with $802 million, Iraq is one of the biggest recipients of U.S. aid in the world. Uh, Ethiopia uh, is a recipient of 464 million of U.S. dollars, and the U.S. provides over 110 million a year to Micronesia. Now, how much money does does the U.S. give the, to other countries? Well, um, they give a lot. There, a lot of money goes out. 47 billion dollars in foreign aid. Uh, was attributed in in 2018. That's really the 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 figure we have. That's the closest because it, this stuff comes out slowly. Uh, so the the closest we have is 2018. We gave out 47 billion dollars. Just over 35 percent of the budget went to just 10 countries. And those were Afghanistan, Israel, Jordan, Egypt, Iraq, Ethiopia, Yemen, Colombia, Nigeria, and Lebanon. 
the vast majority of these are Muslim countries. Now, I have I have no problem helping around the world with humanitarian aid where tragedies have happened and this type of thing. But these monies would be better spent through private nonprofit organizations that know the area and how to best help the people there. Trying to buy friends and influence enemies with our tax dollars needs to come to an end. And it is it has just simply been a miserable failure of policy. Now, you may agree, you may disagree, would love to hear from you on this. And of course, you can go to UncommonSensePodcast.com. And thank you for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.